This is Times Union sports writer Philip Heilman back with me for a third straight day. Jaguars beat writer Ryan O'Halloran, who was at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Ryan, we've got to get some intro music or something for this. Wait, it's only the third day. It feels like I've been here 30 days. What's been uh, What's been the biggest takeaway for you so far? Well, you had um, you know he had quarterbacks and tight ends coming today, so you know the name value really popped up. And I'll just give you a quick a couple of quick notes is. You know, Hayden Hurst from South Carolina, you know, obviously went to Bulls. Um, he says he has not met with the Jaguars yet, uh, but he didn't really expect it because they have the local pro day. Um, the next guy that, you know, one thing on Hurst is the Steelers are talking to every tight end here. They basically have admitted that. So, uh, you know, Pittsburgh could be a landing spot for Hurst as well. And, you know, we just got done with Antonio Callaway. Um, you know, suspended all last year for the credit card fraud. And uh, one thing he said with teams, he goes, hey, got to own up to it because it's out there. Got to be real. Got to tell him you learn from it. Um, a lot of red flags on his resume. Do you see how much that impacts his draft status? Yeah, Callow was an interesting guy because he was such a dynamic performer at Florida his first couple of years there. Obviously got into a lot of trouble. Also had some injuries. So there's a lot of, you know, sort of red flags, that sort of thing. Is that a guy, if you were running a team, would he be completely off your board or where would you have him? Because he's so dynamic, I'd have him on my board, but I probably would. And I'll give you an example. Like a lot of teams went uh, to Ron Matthew came in out of the draft. You know, they had him on their board, but they sort of knocked him down a couple rounds because of the off the field issues. Arizona didn't, and they're obviously glad they did. So, um, you know, Callaway probably be a day three type guy at this point, and that's probably where I'd peg him. Interesting. Uh, a guy who's garnered a lot of attention today, Penn State running back Saquon Barkley, who ran an unofficial 4-4-1 and an unofficial 4-4-2 and also did 29 reps on the bench press, which is at least 28 and a half more than I could have done. Huh. Well, I'll, I'll go 29 because I would get, I'd put my hands on the bar and then I would um, have it crush my uh, chest cavity, uh, which wouldn't <laughs> be fun at all. But uh, Barkley is checking all the boxes this week. You mentioned the bench press. Um you know, during the interviews with the media, he looked, you know, calm and confident. And then he runs a 4-4-1 unofficially a day at uh, 230 pounds. Comparison's sake, um, Leonard Fournette last year ran a 4-5-1 at uh, 240. But Leonard also had the fastest two times of the year in game action on those two touchdowns. So, you know, Barkley, the Browns be the obvious team. They have a bonus first-round pick in the top five draft a quarterback, draft a running back, and then just start trying to rebuild that offense. You know, but do the, do the teams in the top five say, hey, you know, did, what kind of impact did Fournette have? Is there an injury concern with Barkley, even though he stayed healthy? So a lot of things the way there. You obviously haven't seen Barkley play as much as you saw Fournette play last year, but is this a guy, is he a better prospect than Fournette? Not quite as great or kind of on the same level? Geez, it's almost like he's more of a home run hitter. I mean, Fournette had that rep at LSU, but this guy really seems to have an explosion. I mean, they're different types of backs, but, um, you know, well, I think one team will look at the impact Elliott had in Dallas and Fournette and Jacksonville and say, hey, let's try and uh, replicate that. You mentioned the quarterbacks were sort of on display today, answering a lot of questions. Baker Mayfield, a guy who's had questions about his character, Josh Rosen about his ability to lead a locker room. What have you learned from either those guys or anybody who's been on display as, at the quarterback position? Well, it's funny. It's funny, Phil. You know, coming here and not having to stake out the quarterback podium is, is a lot different. 
Um, yeah, I, I sort of listened in on Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State. Could he be an option for the Jags late first round, early second? Dude is a big rig. I mean, he would. Blake Bortles is a big guy. This guy is, you know, a tower over him. So he checks that physical box. Um, not Baker Mayfield. Um, just was talking to a couple of people that listened in on him, saying, "Hey, confidence is not a problem with him." So uh, the other guys are in. Mark Andrews, the tight end from Oklahoma. I like him a lot at 29. You know, he talked about his diabetes and said, "Hey." You know, if it not for that, maybe he would have cut corners on his way to football. Maybe he wouldn't have been the player that he is today. And I thought that was a pretty interesting comment. And, you know, one thing he was also asked was, hey, where are you at with your blocking? And, you know, he said, hey, it's got to improve, but, you know, he's going to be asked to do a lot more in the NFL. That sounds like a guy who's been coached up well for this moment to be able to not really spin, but give a good explanation for the type 1 diabetes and how it's actually been a positive for him. Yeah, and he's probably, you know, every every – Probably every, you know, every level, high school, you know, going to Oklahoma, starting at Oklahoma, and now this is, you know, he's probably learned how to talk about it. And, you know, one thing for him, what he said is that he, he wants to be a uh, role model for kids with the type, same uh, diagnosis to say, hey, don't let this stop you. So, I mean, I thought he was very impressed with the podium. I think he fit in great to the J-Well locker room. Does, does his ability to mostly line up or at least his history of mostly lining up in the slot when i wrote about him and watched a couple of his games he came off the field in goal line situations he very rarely uh, lined up on the line is that is that something that can be coached is that easily you know kind of transferable where you know maybe it was a problem or what he did in college but the jaguars coaching staff could get him in and clean that up right away or is that a problem historically that you know guys really deal with and struggle with as a rookie well, it is. There is a transition just because he hasn't been asked to do it a lot. So he's going to have to start at square one, which is maybe better if you're Jaguars tight end coach Ron Middleton. You have a fresh canvas, so to speak. And, you know, he's got Ron's had guys here who didn't know how to get, you know, has never gotten three point stance, didn't know the footwork. You draft Mark Andrews if you're the Jaguars, you're drafting to catch the football. That's why you have Mercedes Lewis is to be that inline blocker. You're adding Andrews to become a vertical threat who, depending on how they figure out the receiver spot the tight end who can catch passes may become a huge part of this offense every day the jaguars and Allen robinson don't figure something out to me that says we're getting closer to a possible separation is that just uh, me being overly concerned as somebody who thinks that this is a good fit for the team or is there some you know real truth to that i think it's i think there's a lot to that and you, know, you don't expect things to happen overnight but yes i mean Let's put it this way. You know, other teams' reporters are asking, okay, he's really going to hit the market? The team I covered would really be interested in him. There's going to be a market for Allen Robinson. Uh, just, are, the, are, the Jaguars conf- are the Jaguars creating a problem that doesn't need to exist? I think so. Now it's their, you know, it's, it's their uh, task to figure out what they want to do. And, uh, I said on the radio the other day, less than 50%. I'll stick with that. That's interesting. Other reporters from, you know, who cover different teams are that this guy's already on their radar. To me, that's, you know, that's a misplay by the Jaguars to even allow it to get to this point. Either way, to yeah. me, this seems like, you know, this could have been handled much differently. Yeah, and, and, and I'm telling these reporters, I said, start doing your research because chances are he's going to hit the market. If he hits the market, he's not coming back to the Jags. If he's not tagged next Tuesday, I don't think he's going back to the Jags either. What about Aaron Colvin, another name who... We've talked about earlier in the week. Any updates on there? Yeah, no, no, no concrete updates. Just, but 
you just get the feeling that they're going to get something done before March 14th. And you know, I think both sides want to get something done. I think Colvin is willing to sign a contract before he finds out really what his worth is on the open market. Uh, so I think that will be uh, you know a, uh, a a key addition. Get that you know get that done, then you can start free agency. That's really interesting. It sounds like you're more confident that Aaron Colvin will be back than Allen Robinson. My guess would be the day after the loss to New England in the AFC title game. That's not where you would have been mentally. <laughs> a week ago, three days ago, when I arrived here uh, Tuesday night, I thought I thought I'd hear, "Hey, Allen Robinson is going to be a part of this team. You know, they want him back." Uh, instead, you're just hearing the opposite. And, you know, the stuff I've said, the stuff I've written, I have not, you know, been contradicted or corrected otherwise. What's the other scuttlebutt? What are reporters around the league who are at the Combine talking about right now? Well, it's like, okay, who's going to be the top quarterback? Okay, how many of these quarterbacks are really top five guys? Are they going to overdraft? You know, quarterbacks are traditionally overdrafted. A guy who could be like 17th on your board goes fourth. So, okay, how does that impact the trade market in the top 10? It's so, and also the Jaguars are now in the same kind of drafting territory as the Patriots, the Steelers, uh, traditional powers. So I'm sort of trying to look at their, you know, past history. Do, you know, how do, how do they treat the, the bottom of the draft? How much do they trade down? So this is a, it's a new neighborhood for the Jaguars. Historically, what do teams generally get if you were to trade that pick from number 29 to 38 to 40 what else would you usually get back as compensation well you know it'll say they go from 29 to 38 you probably don't get next year's one but you get that 38th pick you probably get that third their third and maybe you get a sixth so you go three picks for moving down nine spots traditionally it's like as a team moves up to get a quarterback you know uh, seattle was famous for trading out of that first round because that means they have a shorter contract for that draft pick. So if, if somebody really likes Mason Rudolph and wants to move up from the 38 to 29, I'm sure the Jaguars would be open for business. A couple of quick hitters came out yesterday that those same Seahawks are interested in trading Michael Bennett. That's not really a need for the Jaguars because they already have it, but are you surprised to, to hear that at all? I, I was uh, because it, as I was, ta- I was talking to a Seattle writer today, is they don't have a replacement on the roster. And I asked him, I said, hey, if they're shopping him, does that mean they're going to cut him? He said he didn't think so because they only saved $2 million doing that. So maybe they're just kicking the tires and throwing it out there. But uh, Seattle, I mean, they're never going to rebuild because they have the quarterback, but they definitely, you know, you know Chancellor may never play again. Uh, Sherman just had another surgery. I mean, they are in a transition on defense with a new coordinator that maybe they feel Bennett will get in a pick or two to start rebuilding that way. This new defensive pass interference, it sounds like there's some interest in possibly going to the college rule where it's 15 yards no matter what and it's no longer a spot foul. Does that make sense to you in the NFL? It doesn't. Uh, they should keep the rule as it is because NFL players are smart. They're 30 yards downfield. They just tackle a guy and say, well, I'm not giving you 35. I'm going to give you 15. It's like it's going to slow the game down, um, and you'll have defensive backs playing more recklessly just to say, hey, I'll take the 15. I'm not giving up the 40. So you get part of the lure of that rule is, is you make it you make it a penal penalty, and I think that would take some of that away. Offensive lineman, if the Jaguars did decide to go guard in the first or second round, who are a couple of guys that fans should at least get to know a little bit to prepare for that? 
Well, I think Will Hernandez from UTEP could be a guy. He had a he had a he was listed on a two hundred twenty five pound bar yesterday. I think it was a toothpick. So uh, he's two time All American. He just happened to play for a, a terrible team in UTEP. Um, you know, Quinton Nelson, who you wrote about a couple of weeks ago. You know, he didn't run the forty day because of a hamstring issue, but he had a good bench press and. You know, he's just a, he was a dominant college player. Probably doesn't make it down to 29. So, you know, right now, but, um, but but here's another guy, Billy Price from Ohio State, center slash guard, partially torn chest muscle yesterday. He may be ready for camp. Does that mean he falls down? Let's say he's sitting there at 29. The Jaguars take him, knowing he won't be ready for camp until camp. I'd take him because you never expected him to be there. USC running back Ronald Jones also pulled a hamstring, or was he dealing with that before the combine? I'm not sure on that one because uh, is uh, the, the player interviews overlapped with the running back workouts, so I didn't hear much of that. But it, uh, you know, a lot of Ronald Jones questions yesterday were about Sam Darnold. That makes sense. What's uh, one thing you heard from a player that kind of stuck out to you? Um, Kyle Alada, the, the Richmond quarterback. He thought the Senior Bowl really helped him out, you know, being a, an FCS guy. He got a little bit more attention that week, and um, you know, he's been connected to the Patriots um, in the second round, maybe even late first. Is you know, sort of a you know, Jimmy Garoppolo light because you know, Jimmy came from FCS as well. So, you know, you see a lot of these guys who are at the Senior Bowl talking about how much confidence they built by playing that week. Good stuff as always, Rhino Haller. When are you back in Jacksonville? Sunday night, so we'll have coverage uh, through Monday's paper. And then, uh, before you know it, free agency will be here. This time of year never slows down. We'll continue reading you on Jacksonville.com and in every day in the Florida Times Union. Ryan, thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Philip.